Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. All right, everyone, welcome to the Launch University Podcast. My name is Kevin, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by one of my, one of my new buddies. Uh, he and I have had a chance to work together a few times now, and that's Mr. Clark Campbell. Now, before I go and throw to him, he's a really humble guy. So I, I was probably gonna take. So I'm gonna probably take the chance to to brag on him a little bit um, before we even get started. Clark is one of the go tos amongst many of the. Uh, organizations that many of us love and respect, like Willow Creek Association, uh, my one, my former, my former employer, and and um, and, that, and that is you know the Rethink Group with Orange, as well as Catalyst and many other organizations out there that are really trying to do a better job of creating what they call real time content. That is the opportunity to come alongside an event or some of the organization is doing and, and make sure that they're able to broadcast that through social media with real time interaction with your audience, your followers, et cetera, your, your customers. And so it's an emerging thing, but Clark's at the forefront of that. And um, there are many organizations that count on him to help their teams develop playbooks or actually execute this on, on the, on site. But also he's just an all around great guy, really well connected, uh, very well respected by so many people because he has an amazing heart. And, and whenever you're around Clark, you, uh, you're happy to be around him because he makes the room a, a little bit better. So I'm excited to have him on the podcast today. So Clark, thanks for hanging out with me, buddy. Thanks, Kevin. Those are definitely kind words. And I read the other day that that you need to start accepting positive feedback. So I'm going to accept the positive feedback, even though I want to fight it, but I'll accept <laughs> it. Well, good. I'm glad you will, man. And I, and I have you on here because there are a couple of things. I mean, this is going to be a two-part podcast in my mind as far as like how we do the, the questions. One, I mean, you are a launcher and this community is for launchers. I mean, we are all about helping people turn good intention into reality in their career, business, and life. And what that really means for a lot of us is we're go-getters. We have some ideas, some problems projects, some problem we want to solve. And that leads us to really unique situations. However, mm-hmm. it also leads to us stepping into uncertainty all the time. And and I you know and that leads to some really craziness. And I think you've done that. And you've done it really, and I think in my opinion, a a fairly healthy way, you know, as far as mm-hmm. trying to make sure that you're mindful of the fact that you're still a husband. Uh, and there's a family that relies upon you and as you, you know, and you want to make sure you are a good steward of that, of that priority and that responsibility as you kind of made your transition to working for yourself full time. But before I go any mm-hmm. further, I just want to say, would you mind sharing, introducing yourself to our community? Tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Um, absolutely. I'd love to do that and see how quickly I can do it. Um, first of all, Kevin knows more about me and my company than, especially for someone that I've only, I mean, I've worked with you for about a year, but he knows it's like, he's like laser, uh, uh, photogenic memory. Like, you know, everything, like I was looking at some of the questions. I was like, did he like write a biography on me or something? Like, <laughs> you know, too much. Scary. Um, so I, was I went to Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, and I was heavily involved in music and ministry. Um, I actually studied music, and I went into ministry, did student ministry, college ministry, did the whole vocational church thing. And then the, the catalyst, the thing that changed for me and got us into what we do now, there were two big events, two major events, two crises that happened early in the days of social media that I accidentally leveraged social media to get me to where I am today. And truly it was an accident. 
Um, one was a, a, a friend of mine, a very close friend, had a head-on car accident. And I was overwhelmed with all the communication from people at the church and their families and friends and schoolmates. And, and I, I, I was like, hey, I'm going to use Twitter to get all this information out about his updates, about how he was doing in critical condition because he didn't have any fan. His family was in California. It took forever to get in touch with him. Um, finally, we did. But we were using Twitter to update. He had tons of friends. And people were like, oh, well, he knew how to use social media. Maybe we should talk to him about how to use it for our church, our nonprofit, our event, our campaign. Wow. And then a, a similar happened two years later with tornadoes that came through our area. Six tornadoes came through the Chattanooga, Cleveland area. And one day, April 27th of 2011, and we organized about 2,000 volunteers that we registered with FEMA. And it all happened accidentally through using Twitter and Facebook group. We pulled all these people together through a hashtag. And then after that, uh, people started paying me, I guess, to come teach them how to use social media for campaigns and events. So now I have a company uh, called Social Lion. And there's a lot more backstory to it, but I'm, I'm going to try to keep it keep it short. No, that's helpful because a big part of what we believe here at Launch University is that we are often the best people to create products for people like us by people who have our, our challenges. But we also are hopefully solving some kind of problem for someone else. Mm -hmm. And so with you mentioning the idea that, you know, your town was decimated by six tornadoes in a 24 hour period, I would just love to understand for you, was it simple? Was it simple as someone saying, "Hey, Clark, we saw what you did for the city. We'd appreciate that if you do that for us. Tell us what you did." Or was it more of a you became known as the social media guy in your community, and people just came to you for all things social media? It's a great question. Um, I would love for it to be uh, more of. Uh, hey, we saw what you did in, in the tornadoes. Um, and literally, it sounds crazy. It sounds like I'm making it up. Six tornadoes hit our town in one day. But six tornadoes hit our community, our county, mm -hmm. which is not a huge county, one day. And because it was so early in Twitter and Facebook groups back then, I don't think even I knew what I was doing. Um, mm -hmm. I actually tell that story quite often. I didn't understand what I was doing um, other than it was working. It was like, hey, I'm on a boat and it's it's, it's, it's staying afloat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what the materials are, but it's going down the river. And so people started asking me probably more generic social media um, stuff. Uh, help me, help me understand how to use social media for my company, my brand, my organization. But until I started doing event social at orange, uh, Jen Wilder was one of the first believers in what we do. Um, Catalyst, Willow Creek Saddleback Church, they asked us to come help them with social media at their event. We didn't know it was called real-time social media at that point. We were just doing social media for the event. But now we've realized it has way more to do with production, like a video production team, a truck comes to an event, produces an event, produces the video for that event. We do the same thing, but it's social media. So we're producing content in real-time at an event. But it came that kind of came as a, as a subgrowth, if you will, from the generic, hey, help me with social media. So with that being said, what were you doing at first? I mean, so, you know, for you to say, hey, I'm doing everything around events now. What was the first iteration of what you do now? I definitely think it was the it was the tornadoes. There were there were there was another event. I'll get to in just a second. But I think people seeing how we leveraged 
uh, Facebook and, and Twitter, the hashtag CLE help, which stood for Cleveland, Tennessee, CLE help people seeing that I was sharing that I was actively involved with the algorithms, um, being a crisis. Uh, a lot of people saw what we did in 2011. And I think that just got in people's minds of the event. And then the other thing that we did, I, I, I okay, first of all, I naturally go towards events. So that could be a, a key element of this mm-hmm. whole part of the entrepreneur thing. Like I go to events, I, I get involved. I love producing events. I just got out of a meeting that was a programming meeting for an event that we're hosting. So events, I'm, I've always been naturally drawn to them. And I know that sounds so vague book, but uh, it's true that events are my thing. Um, I, I, I've produced video at events, like live video. I've directed TV. I've run a jib and cameras. So events are natural fits for me. But the other thing that happened two years after the tornadoes, I think, was we there was a group who ran 24 hours a day. There were, I think, 26 runners. Um, 24 hours a day for seven days from the, from the Chattanooga, Tennessee area, all the way to Boston, Massachusetts. Um, it was the year after the Boston marathon that we did this. So we ran 24 hours a day, not me. I was, I was doing social media for it. And so I came along as the journalist, the storyteller for social media, updating Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the way from Tennessee to uh, Boston, 24 hours a day, pretty much telling the story of what was happening. Um, and that got us on Good Morning America, wow. um, on every single news outlet from Tennessee to Boston. We were on every, I think, we, I know we were in every city. I don't know if we were on every single station, but ABC, NBC, CBS, in almost every city we got on because of social media. Um, so that was another big thing that helped people say, hey, come help us with our, our event social. So... One thing I didn't plan on asking you about, but now I want to, and that is related mm-hmm. to events. So for you, I say I'm naturally drawn to events. I'm naturally drawn to content. And then I have these two moments in my life with my friend and my hometown where I just naturally mm-hmm. use my interests, my abilities to be helpful. And then that leads to people mm-hmm. saying, okay, we, if we want help like that, doing something similar, we call Clark. Is that an accurate assessment? Yeah. That's that's exactly what happened. And it was, again, the funniest part, it was all an accident. Um, I started using social media for communication when I was a college pastor at a, at a large church. That's when I was figuring out social media, but it, that was just me using it. That wasn't me teaching people how to use it. Those two big, those two events that I was not a marketing person. I didn't even know what marketing was. I was a ministry guy. I was, I did like video, but those things, those things were the catalyst, the launching pad to now having a company for sure. Without doubt, those two things were the, uh, were the accidental, like you said, fit, w- there was a need, I guess the only core feature in my, in my bag of tools is storytelling and, and, and journalism. Maybe I, I don't know if there's anything else that led me to, to where I am today. That was core to me. I loved communicating. I, I will say that communicating, communicating, I love communicating. Uh, I just said communicating three times. So I guess that means I love communicating. Indeed. Uh, isn't that a, <laughs> so yeah. Well, so, here, so here's my question then. I mean, I know from my own experience when I'm freelancing, well, I had a job or uh, moonlighting with some, with some work mm-hmm. that 
sometimes it's just like, hey, I don't even have a pricing structure. I'm just making extra money as people ask me. But I do know this, and that is once you make a decision to make it a business and one that will eventually provide for you and your family, there's a turning point regarding the structure that's required. So help me understand what was going through and maybe some of the things you did to kind of go from accidental entrepreneur to, you know, building the structures you need to build a bridge to go work for yourself? Yeah, that, that's a that's a really, that's a great question. I do have a somewhat of an answer for it. The long and short of it is I just had to figure it out. Uh, I didn't have a book. I didn't have a business degree. I didn't have a, a I wish I could go back and write starting a social media company for, for dummies. Um, <laughs> I really wish I could. Um, I, I just was making some extra money and, and I was working full time at that point. And so I actually had to pay other people to do the work. I guess I was just the networker or the, the relationship person that was bringing people to the table. And then I would outsource all the work and get a little piece of it left over. But in, in late 2014, I went to a longtime friend of mine, a business partner now, Shabu Joseph. And I said, Hey, this business stuff. Uh, and I don't, I don't get it. Um, I need some help. I need, I'll, I'll bring the people to the table. I'll bring the, the subcontractors to the table. I just need someone to help me figure out the business and manage the business side. And even then like we've had two or three years of figuring out pricing. Like that's been a huge struggle because this is a new category. This isn't like selling cookies or, or coffee or, uh, uh, or tax service. This is a new category. It's a, it's a product that's a service-based product that it's really hard. So hourly rate, yeah, we had to figure that out early on. But I think the model that helped me most through all of this was the 33-33-33 principle. What is that? So 33, I think it's 33. It's, I know it's threes. So essentially 33% of your operating, uh, your income should go towards paying people, your, your, your human resources, the people to do the work, including uh, sometimes including yourself. And then 33% should go towards admin costs like rent or gear or insurance. Or uh, one good friend of mine said that, that the partner salaries or the, the founders or whatever, that should come out of that, that second bucket of 33. Mm-hmm. And then the other 3% should be profit for you to grow, for you to whatever's in the future. So 33, 33, 33. And that's been the single hardest thing for us is figuring that part out, how to keep payroll down below 33%. How do you pay yourself, which we didn't do for the first three years of our, there's a mistake that I made and maybe you're going to get to this. It would be paying ourselves early on. So, okay. So, so you saying that you, you feel like, first of all, that principle is powerful, right? For anyone who's listening. And I know that for the folks who are listening to this podcast, typically the project, the passion, the business is what's driving them forward. They are learning those rules like you just shared on, you know, as they go. So I think it's a pretty powerful idea. 33, 33, 33. So I'm, I'm personally stealing that for myself to go back <laughs> and look at what I'm doing through that lens. But you alluded to the idea of that being a mistake when it comes to you paying yourself. Are you saying you should have paid yourself sooner? Or are you saying that, what, what, what are you saying? What was the mistake there? Yeah, so I've heard this and I wish I had heard it early, early on that, and I kept pushing it back because like, oh, well, I'll make money in six months or, oh, we'll make money in a year. Like we'll pay ourselves because we were, I mean, 
there's some backstory to this, but we also had a co-working space when we first started Social Lion. So a lot of the profit that we could have paid ourselves from or the money we should have allocated to ourselves, we were funding a co-working space. Wow. Um, and so we, we were doing two things at, at one time. So, But for most of my business mentor and friends is that the, the biggest mistake entrepreneurs make is they don't pay themselves at the beginning because when you keep pushing it back like six months, a year, it's going to be a year and a half. And it might be two years and it might be three years. And then the toll that it takes on you personally, mentally, relationally, your business partner, your family, like, what do you mean? When you're talking to your wife, you're like, hey, we're, we don't have any money this month. And the question is like, what do you mean? You, you've got like 12 employees. Why, 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 what do you mean we don't have money? And so you should mm. build in a salary yourself early on, even if it's just a hundred dollars a month, um, and grow there. Um, you, going back, I wish we had done that, but, um, we made it. I don't know how we made it. I literally, we Shabu and I go back all the time. How in the world have we made it this far? But we have, but if I, if I could do it different, we would pay ourselves a little bit from the very beginning and incrementally go up from there. Well, well first of all, that's helpful for a lot of people who are listening. I, I mean, I kind of, working for Dave Ramsey and he talks about paying yourself first a lot, but mainly through yeah. the lens of budgeting. And I haven't really thought about that a lot as an entrepreneur. And so I think it's, it's helpful for all of us to hear. So one of the things that I know, so before Social Lion, there was Benjamin and Clark Productions, which was your company that then became Social Lion once your partner Shabu joined the team. And at that point you had already done some event work, but this is mm-hmm. 2015. We're talking about this point. So almost three years ago, what I'm curious to understand is, you know, even if you may not have had a formal process, what were some of the things that you were intentionally prototyping? Cause I know you were doing all this while you still had a full-time job. So mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm curious to know like, like what lessons did you learn over the last three years that prepared you to kind of take the leap? And what were some of the things that you had to experiment with to make sure the model was strong enough to have the confidence to say, okay, mm-hmm. this just needs more of me to go to the next level because the structure is good enough. Yeah. I would probably go back to a core principle that we have internally talked about for about a year now, even though it was how we were operating early on. Um, it comes from a Facebook motto that they have hanging on their wall. Actually, they did. They don't, they don't, this is not their mantra anymore. It used to be their mantra early, early on in their company. Um, it was move fast and break things, move fast and break things. And I think we were just in that, in that world of, Revenue is going up. Employee, the number of employees and partners and talent we had are going up. Um, and so let's just keep moving fast and breaking things. And that's not how Facebook works anymore because they're to a more mature place. But I think early on, and I think Seth Godin, it's the same principle as Seth Godin. No one ever said, I, wait, uh, I started too soon. People always say, I waited too long. And so I would lean towards saying, we didn't... We didn't have it figured out. We didn't have a structure. We didn't have the programs or the products mapped uh, like we do now. We have a lot better system and, and understanding of our costs. And essentially, our cost is times three. So it kind of goes back to that same principle of 33, 33, 33. We take whatever our human capital cost is for an event, and we multiply it times three, and that's what we charge, essentially. And, and sometimes it's a little less, sometimes a little more, depending on the, the, the quality or the 
type of gear we have to bring to an event or how far we're going. So I don't think we, we didn't even figure that out until the last 12 months. That wasn't even, we were just charging and trying to get an hourly rate and try to pay our bills. And I say, I hate that. I think I hate that. But at the same time, I'm like, we wouldn't be where we are today if we didn't have to figure out how to exercise ourselves. Like uh, we didn't have a coach or a personal trainer helping us. We, we had to really, really, really knock that out. Anyways. No, that's great. That's great. And, and I think that's what we all need to hear, right? I think there's a reality and some tensions that, that exist between the dream and the vision and it becoming a reality. So I want to lean into that. So um, like I said, you were you just went full time at the end of 2017. And like I said, Social Lion with you as far as you and Shabu being together as partners is 2015. But if you go back further, once again, back to Benjamin Clark Productions, that's five yeah. years of yeah, yeah, yeah. side hustling and moonlighting <laughs> before you say, I can take the leap. I personally resonate with this, but there are some people who may be just getting started with the moonlighting and they, you know, they have an aggressive vision. I'm sure you and I do as well that we probably wouldn't have assumed it would take four to five years to make no. that leap. But mm -hmm. my question is, you know, reflecting back, what were some of the key things that you think were done for you to make that leap? I mean, I'm thinking relationally with your wife or with your business, yeah. like what, what actually happened on a like, you know, practical level to enable this to happen? So, <laughs> wow. I'm trying to, it was so chaotic the last six months trying to jump from, uh, from full-time salary at a publishing company. Uh, I'm going to be, I guess vulnerability is the way to go here. Um, Indeed. We celebrate that. Yeah. And, and yes. I was thinking about it this morning, um, this, this exact topic of talk, be more vulnerable because a lot of times you can try to be polished and pretty. Um, I don't think I had the courage to leave the full-time job. Um, I actually tried very hard to stay on retainer with that organization, but that organization just happened to uh, be, they were, they were letting go of 10 positions at the end of 2017. Wow. And I was offered to stay at that organization, mm -hmm. uh, but the, the hours and the pay would be drastically changed sure. and I couldn't do it. Like there was no way to do social lion and that and survive. So yeah. it's almost like I was forced, not, 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 not forced by the organization, but sure. I was forced to make a leap because I, I couldn't do both. So I don't know if I would have had the courage to do it, honestly, just being completely transparent with you um, because I have a family, I have two kids. Um, the craziest part of this whole thing, truthfully, and maybe you, maybe the list, your listeners and you only care about this because it's the most human part of this. It's so crazy how it happened. And I credit it to just the way my, my heavenly father is actively working in our lives. The day I found out that I was no longer going to have the full-time opportunity at the publishing company. I left there slightly discouraged, but you know what? Maybe this is what I needed to, to make the leap to full-time sure. at Social Line. 
I left there and I got home about three minutes later because I worked about a mile from, uh, from my house to work. It was about a mile. I got home and there was in the, in the mailbox an envelope from my bank with the closing paperwork for our house that we were trying to buy, our first house. It was in the mailbox and it was completely done and ready to go. And had that conversation with the previous employer happened a week before that, or even a couple of days before that, yeah, I don't think we would have been able to buy our house. Wow. So wow. Um, the, the fact, I mean, it was like two or three minutes later when I got the first conversation that, hey, we're, we're going to have to make some structural changes, got home because self-employed, you can't, you can't buy a house, like not today. And so um, I say all that to say, I knew it needed to happen. The health of the company, the growth of the company needed to happen. And I needed to be there to help my partner, Shabu. But I didn't have the courage and it just kind of fell together. And I know that is not what most entrepreneur leaders want to hear right now. But I want to be honest, sometimes it just falls together. And whether who, who you give credit to that for is up to you. I personally believe that it was just the providence of my heavenly father saying, I'm going to hold this together for you. It's going to, you're going to, yeah. you're going to make it. So, yeah, no, no, that, man, that's what I want to hear. I think that we all want whatever your, your situation really is, you know, mm-hmm. out of curiosity before that happened with your previous employer and the end of 2017, mm-hmm. had you set a goal for when you were going to leap? Just curious. Yeah, we, uh, we either wanted to try it and, and, just literally try it in January. Um, and the goal was to go subcontractor with my previous employer. We had already actually made that pitch, which may be, may have been the doorway for them to internally make some changes, but we had pitched that we do that. I'd be a subcontractor like 20 hours a week for that employer. Um, but the big goal was that in, in July, which is right now of 2018, I would be full-time at social Alliance. So it just, it just got moved up um, six months or seven months, I guess. Yeah. No, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, I'm sure many of us can relate to that. I think that I myself have done a lot of that moonlighting and uh, side hustling. We encourage that actually here on you know, here on this podcast and everything we do uh, with Launch University because we believe that you need a prop, you need an opportunity to understand the problem. You need a chance to be able to imagine solutions and prototype those solutions so you can verify it's the right thing. You can validate it before you launch it. And um, we call that process the launch loop. So uh, what you're hearing Clark articulate in this very natural, organic fashion is really the process through which all sustainable, great organizations go through. Uh, And and I think if anything, I mean, I can't speak for Clark, but I can speak for myself that if I had to do it all over, I would have done what I did organically intentionally and said, how fast can I learn what's working? How fast can I learn what the market doesn't want me to provide for them so that I can build up my confidence? Because right now, everything, you know, he and I were learning through our different experiences was something we stumbled into and and had to say, well, was it, was that really, uh, was that real feedback? Was that just my opinion? Is that my perspective? Or did that really occur? And so, 
We wrote an ebook about this. If you text the word launchpad, all one word, to 345 345, we'll send you a free copy of our ebook called The Launch Loop. And it's five steps guaranteed to get your idea off the ground. And I, and I said, Clark's living this. I said he's incredibly modest, but I got, I've gotten to witness it over the past year and a half, seeing him make that transition. And I can tell you that uh, he's followed these exact steps. Um, so I think it's a good time for us to kind of pivot because you start out this interview talking about real time content and mm-hmm. you're an expert. At this, you won't call yourself an expert because it's always evolving. I'll call you an expert. But I want to make sure we all get this too, because I think there's some really powerful ideas wrapped up in what you do. So help us understand what is real time content? What does it mean? And why does it matter for our organizations we work with as, you know, emerging leaders, executives, or entrepreneurs starting our new businesses? So I think there are two big pieces to this conversation. I don't want to, before we, I don't want to get too far into the, into the details. Um, I don't want to cloud it. So I want to make sure there are two very distinct ways that your listeners and you and even me can, can kind of come to a common place here. Real-time content is about two things. One, outbound content. So creating content in real time. So you're at an event, you're at a campaign, you're at your, your, your office and somebody's birthday. Let's just go that basic. So somebody's birthday and you want to tell that story in real time, what you guys did to surprise your coworker. That's outbound content. You're posting content that's compelling and invites people into your brand, your story, your, your, your personal brand, um, your organizational story. That's one side. The other side of real time is the engagement. And this is probably where uh, a larger percentage of the audience will resonate with this because you've got on Facebook and I, th- I think on Instagram, like the response rate, like it'll literally, literally tell your fans and your friends, like this is how quickly Clark responds or um, how quickly Social Lion responds to a message. Um, and so there's a, there's a pressure now to respond in real time. And you've got like Delta Airlines and American United and sports teams and news organizations that kind of pride themselves in responding to people in real time. So if you're on a flight, I have so many friends that have told stories um, similar to this. When you're on a flight and there's a delay or something happens and you tweet the airline, um, uh, my friend Dave Adamson recently was uh, trying to change his ticket and he tweeted the airline. Well, within minutes, maybe seconds, uh, Delta had sent him a direct message on Twitter, um, replying to him and talking to him about uh, his flight and his, his confirmation code, see how much it would cost to make the change where he didn't have to go to a website. He didn't have to make a phone call. He didn't have to do any of that stuff in that moment in real time. He didn't have to do any of that stuff. He was able to reach them through social media. And so real-time social is, is, is harnessing the power of the technical or the, the platform Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever it might be. And partnering that with the the human element of we now culturally, I'm not saying it's right or wrong that we instinctively demand real time. Um, That's for a philosophical conversation. I encourage you to go read Kevin Kelly's book. I'm going to get it to you in just a second. It's on technology. And he talks about real time so much on an ethical and what's happening culturally when it comes to this. Here it is. 
I do have it now. The inevitable? Drum roll, please. The inevitable. Thank you. I stole See, your thunder. Well, you had a drum roll going. Oh, my thunder. Well, there it is right there. Uh, the inevitable. It's blowing my mind. Anyways, that's culturally speaking, philosophically speaking, that's a whole nother conversation of the real time world we live in. But to meet and compete, I just made that up. I love it. To meet, the, expe- to meet the expectations of our uh, customers and our fans and to compete in today's market, real time is a necessity. It is a discipline or a practice that you have to involve in your business. And I'd say if you had to start with real time, it's on the engagement side. It's when you get a message, do you reply quickly? Do you have a team of three or four people who have admin access to your to your Facebook page, to your Twitter page, where they can reply in real time? So two elements, engagement and then outbound content. I hope I did a good job. No, it's great. So I'm going to repeat back to make sure that I'm understanding it correctly. Please. So what it is, is the is this combination of both technological advances when it comes to communication and then our ability to use those mediums to communicate in an outbound way, to engage our audience, our customers around what we're doing. Um, But that also means the ability to use the time-sensitive events that happen in life, a customer's needs, a, a birthday, an anniversary, something that we can in celebrate or engage with that might drive something that requires a more time-sensitive response and us engage mm-hmm. that with how we create content. And it matters because now with our customers and our uh, just all of us really as consumers expecting a certain level of immediacy We have this disadvantage if our customers or prospective customers are waiting because our competitors and their speed might be the difference between us winning and losing business. Okay. But you said it boils down into two categories, engagement, which is us just literally responding to the inbound messages, mentions of our organization. And then the second- Yeah, I'm going to add a word to that. Please. I'm going to add a word to that. Sorry, listening is is as important as responding, like okay. real time listening. Okay, so it's, it's engagement, but it's listening and engaging. Go ahead. Okay, listening. So listening. Well, first of all, I think that's fantastic, right? Uh, we can have a better chance to understand the needs and empathize with our customers when we listen to them. Um, so listening, then engagement, and then as you said a moment ago, that's kind of that outbound content sharing component of what it is. So, yep, that's exactly. So my question is, does this have the same impact for startups that it does for established organizations or brands? Undoubtedly, yes. Absolutely. So if you look at some of the fastest growing startups and and uh, organizations out there, I would say not all of them. I'm sure there's exceptions to every single rule. I would say a majority of them are really great storytellers on platforms like Instagram Stories. They tell the behind the scenes really well. And what uh, Instagram stories and Snapchat, they and Facebook stories, they disappear in how many hours? Yeah, 24. 24. So we are almost, and I, this is the part it gets, it gets gray and it gets, it gets fishy for me. Um, it's almost like we are funneled into this real time storytelling in a way. Um, I'm not saying that I, I think it's the way for the future, but right now, because of the marketplace, 
it is necessary to, to, to go within that funnel of real-time storytelling. And there are some psychological reasons behind, behind why these larger companies like Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat are, are creating this real-time because they also know that people care about real-time. They care about what you're working on today, who you're with today, um, because people forget about it tomorrow. Um, yeah. The 24-hour news cycle, whatever is being talked about today will literally be forgotten about in 12 hours or tomorrow. So there is a psychological reason why real-time is important. It's not just because they're forcing us into a funnel. It's where we are today. And I think there are some ethical and moral things we need to consider when doing real-time. I'm not just saying to blindly be take your business to a real-time level if you're an entrepreneur, but it is important to tell your story in real time on Instagram stories, Facebook stories, Snapchat. It is vital that you participate in that online conversation. Again, there's an exception to every rule, um, but I think to be front of mind, it's important that you're doing it quite often. No, I mean, no, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. I know somewhere Jeff Henderson, one of the other Launch University mentors, is saying, absolutely, this is exactly how I always feel. Uh, Jeff is always a big advocate for people engaging with their communities in real time. So you sold mm-hmm. us, right? You told us, we, we believe, we agree that we've all had a situation mm-hmm. where we might have complained about something online and wished the organization cared enough to slow down and, and respond to us or hear our situation out. So what am I supposed to do with that? Like, how do I get started with real time? What's my first step as a small organization or even as a large organization to, um, to make sure that I meet and compete as mm-hmm. you kind of said earlier? That's good. I will be again, vulnerable and honest with you. We, we didn't know what real time storytelling was. We didn't, we didn't know how powerful of a tool it could be for your, for your brand, for your event, for your company until we learned like, um, so just kind of shooting from the hip here, just truly honestly shooting from the hip. I would do things like spend time on these platforms, literally learning what, what are, what are these other brands doing? How are they doing it in real time? Are they doing it with a, with a pro res camera? Does it look like it's high res or does it look like it's shot on someone's iPhone? What is most compelling to you? Is it from the iPhone or is it from a edited piece of content? Start watching Instagram stories every day for 30 minutes or for 10 minutes. Good goodness. Everybody's listening to this is probably on Facebook. I, th- I read some crazy statistic, uh, I guess, when we were out at Facebook. Um, the, the amount of time, the sheer amount of time that, that users are on Facebook every day is is out of this world. It's mind blowing. But so spend 15 minutes on Instagram stories, just watching stories, looking at how, especially brands, because they're the ones that are kind of setting the bar and leading the way for us. So just spend some time learning and researching. And then the, uh, the second part I was going to throw in there was um, practice storytelling on your own. Um, Whether it's in Facebook live, whether it's Instagram stories or Facebook stories or Snapchat, practice it. Try, see what works. Look at the viewers. Uh, uh, you can go in and see how many viewers did you have for your first story? How many did you have for your second? Where did they fall off? Was it the third story or was it the first story? Like figure that out. Like, well, why are people listening to your story? And then just home, fine tune that. So watch other people get their no new, no idea is a new idea, right? So figure out what other people are doing and the why behind why they're doing it and then practice it. And just 
figure out how to become better at storytelling in real time. I know there's a basic, but that's how we did it. There, there wasn't a book there. We have done no webinars that we've watched on how to be a better real time storyteller. It has literally been, we practice and we watch other people. We practice and we watch other people. So I have two final questions, but I want to slip one more in. And that is, if I'm new to real-time storytelling, and even even though we do have a social media presence, what are some just kind of cues when I would know to maybe engage with as a real-time content storyteller or as opposed to pre-produced, pre-scheduled, planned mm-hmm. out a month ahead type stuff? Like, mm-hmm. is there something when I know I sh- a time when I know I should move to that direction versus something that was maybe planned out and scheduled in advance? So I think you need to, uh, who is it that said it? I, I'm trying to remember who said it. Um, success is planned. I heard somebody say that. I wish I could credit them. But success is planned in general. Where you run into maybe a divergence of this real-time thing and what's planned is you can only plan so much for real-time, if that makes sense. You can, real-time, there's all these factors that are out of our control, whether it's audio, lighting, the number of people in the room, what kind of quality camera gear you have. There's so many things in the real-time that are unpredictable, but I would absolutely highly recommend you always plan, even if you're going to an event and you're going to be doing real-time social at an event for your company, plan out the day. Like, Look at the program. Um, Say, would that session be good for Facebook Live or would that session be good for behind the scenes with the speakers, with the players in the locker room on Instagram stories, like plan that, but then know that when you get into that real time environment, you're basically like a journalist on the ground at an event. They don't know what's going to happen other than, Hey, the president's scheduled to visit, but I got to figure out how to tell the story of the president visiting. I'm sure I could use a better example than the president visiting. I apologize to your elite listeners. Let's go with uh, uh, a sports team coming to your, your hometown. That's fine. There's certain, <laughs> there's certain things that you can plan and there's certain things you can't. So I just want to reiterate success is planned. That's the, that's the key. You need to plan everything, whether it's real time or not, but just know that when you get into that real time environment and you're wanting to produce content or listen, you got to be willing to be flexible in real time. Got it. So what I'm hearing is if, if we are as a small organization or startup or even a large organization who's just getting started with the idea of engaging with folks in real time, we have two cues I picked up from Clark today in the conversation. One is we are we are going to be creating real time content whenever we receive an inbound question, an inquiry or even a mention of our organization. You know, that's an opportunity for real-time content. The second one is whenever we're doing an event or attending an event, we you know, whether it be an internal thing, like a Christmas party, or even something like we're putting on a conference or have a booth at a conference, those are opportunities to be more real-time and be kind of on-site journalists. That's helpful to me, Clark, because I'm actually going to do an event for Junction 32 tomorrow. So I will mm-hmm. I will go back and actually look at the schedule and make some decisions myself about how I spend that time. So to close out, love it. 
if someone wants to learn more about this, they're a leader at an organization and they are been thinking about how to better engage their customers, prospective customers, et cetera, where can they go to learn more about this when there isn't a book anywhere around? I'll tell you what we do. We have a group of people that we follow and that was so our internal process as muddy as it might sound and be, we have a internal group on Instagram and we share stories from other companies, other organizations, other brands. And it's, we call it the inspiration channel, I think. So when we're inspired by something that we see on social media in real time, we send it to our group and then we try to implement those things um, at a future event. So I don't know if you're setting me up for this, but um, what you really ought to do is come to our real-time summit in October where we're bringing brands, uh, unbelievable brands that are coming to Chattanooga this fall from the WWE, uh, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, CNN, FEMA, Jeremy Cowart from Nashville. So we're bringing all of these uh, people who who excel at some level on real-time content storytelling. We're bringing them to Chattanooga to just share their best practices on what they're doing. They may be experts in their own brand and in their own storytelling method, but nobody has truly figured this out. We're just all figuring it out together. Such is life, right, Kevin? Indeed, my friend. Indeed. Okay, well, first of all, so everybody check out the Real Time Summit, which is going to be in Chattanooga. When When's it going to be in Chattanooga? October 8th uh, and 9th. It's Monday and Tuesday, Columbus Day, October 8th and 9th. The real time summit.com. Uh, I just I only mentioned like four or five brands. There's there's 20, I think, right now that are coming to speak. So it's going to be incredible. Well, real time summit.com. That's really exciting, Clark. I really, I mean, I, I think it's powerful. I think that this idea, um, I'll be honest, is both exciting and it feels overwhelming, right? Because I think it's like, well, what am I going to mm-hmm. do? How do I do that? What does it mean to become a mm-hmm. better real time storyteller? It sounds a lot mm-hmm. sometimes like, embarrassing myself in public yep. but I've seen what you and your team do and I know that it can be done at a really in a really great way um, and so I would encourage everyone even if you know an organization where that's a big part of what they're dealing with is trying to uh, lean into their events as well as their uh, customer experiences that they're sharing online, I advise you to check out the realtimesummit.com. Lastly, how can we connect with you and Social Lion? I'd love to connect with you. If you have questions, one of my, that's what I do. I, I network and I engage people from whatever organization background, whether it's nonprofit, faith-based or uh, um, mainstream business or, or media. I would love to talk to you. Clark at socialline.co.co.co. Clark at socialline.co. Um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can look me up under at Benjamin Clark. Benjamin Clark. Cause my first name is Benjamin. And that's, uh, that's how we started Benjamin Clark Productions was I went with my, uh, my first and middle name. So I uh, would love to connect with you online, email, and uh, I'll send you my cell phone number as well. Awesome. Awesome. Clark, thanks for hanging out with me, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. And hope I can join you at the Real Time Summit as well. Hey, if you are a first time listener to this podcast, I want to thank you for listening as well. Um, A big part 
of why we do what we do is to help you grow on the go. This entire podcast is driven for that one mission. We believe that you have something special that's inside of you that you're trying to get out into the world, some problem that you are trying to solve. And we want to help you take all of your ambition, all of your dreams, and channel it through proven practices and principles so that you can launch well. You can get that idea out there and change lives and in turn become a difference maker. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. If you go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, tune in. We are there for you. You can also leave a rating or a review of the podcast there. That's a big way on how we get the word out. Uh, obviously, we all check reviews today. So your voice and your opinion probably matters a lot more than ours when it comes to making sure other launchers get to meet great leaders like Clark. And the last thing for us is we have show notes. So every episode we have summaries of the show so that you can be safe when you commute, not try to write anything down while you're on the treadmill, and you can just go back and reference it. So if you go to Launch University, that's Y-O-U in front of university.com, you will get all the notes. So the book from Kevin Kelly and a link to Real Time Summit and a link to Social Lion and some of the other organizations that we mentioned today, you'll have a chance to learn more about that there. Oh yeah, one more thing I forgot. You can ask us a question. So if you go to launchuniversity.com forward slash question, we have ways you can call us, leave a voicemail. You can actually record your voice right on our website. And we're taking all those questions together and then we're going to put them in front of the right people to have them answered. That's right. So I may not be able to do it, but Jeff, David, and Shane also on our team have a ton of experience with launching, leading, growing uh, organizations, departments, people themselves. And I would love to make sure you have access to a mentor because that's what it's all about for us to help sure you have the support you need, turn your good intentions into reality. Well, on behalf of the team, I want to thank Clark again for hanging with us. Um, and we hope to have you join us next time on the Launch University podcast. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.